Good morning and welcome to True Talk. This is your host, Samar Jarrah. My co-host and Ahmed and I are going to be live today. I'm actually in the studio. Uh, we are feeling a little bit uh, better, both of us. We're going to be having a very interesting show for you today. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, Yemen. And then I think we're going to be talking uh, about uh, the Iraq war. I want you to listen to this beautiful uh, song by, let me see, I think her name. Oh, the CD is far from my reach. So uh, I'll get you the name in a second, but this is True Talk on WMNF.org. Stay tuned. Ahmed and I are going to be talking to you soon. Which one is the CD? The 
welcome back to True Talk. This is your host, Samar Jarrah. I'm sorry, both Ahmed and I were not feeling good at all, actually. I'm not feeling very good today. Uh, but I came uh, to Tampa and I came to the studios and uh, thank you for uh, understanding and thank you, our listeners, for supporting WMNF and for supporting True Talk. I know the last time Ahmed and I were live on the air, we were fundraising and um, uh, Ahmed was in the studio and I think we met our goal but it is never too late to keep WMNF on the air by uh, giving to DJ at WMNF uh, I think uh, DJ, sorry if you go to uh, the website WMNF.org good morning Ahmed hope you're feeling better than I am feeling today um, I'm not sure but um It's been a rough uh, couple of weeks. I know. I, I mean, I was traveling and I can understand how I can uh, get sick. And I think I got sick in the airport or from the airport because I was very careful uh, uh, during my trip to Cairo. And um, coming back, I was wearing my mask uh, the whole time, even uh, on the plane. And I was cleaning my seat and everything, like the arm thing, uh, everything, the screen, the Whatever I was touching and I was cleaning my hands, so I really don't know how I got this very bad uh, flu with uh, fever. And it's not, it's not over yet. Um, I don't know. What's, maybe we're getting older. It's lingering. It's been a couple of weeks and it's, um, it's, it's lingering. <clears throat> and, um, I, you know, I tested uh, three times for covid uh, It didn't, it came out negative. And one of them was actually a PCR test because they say the um, rapid antigen test is not as accurate. Uh, but even with the PCR test, it was negative, but it felt like COVID. <laughs> it had all the symptoms. I even lost my sense of taste and smell for the first time, which was really a strange feeling. I know many people that got sick before with COVID uh, did actually experience that, but this was the first time that I experienced it and um, fortunately just returned. So um, thank you for all the listeners and supporters that have been um, uh, continuing to support our show and the station. And uh, we have a great program today. So um, what's on the agenda, Summer? Uh, I think we're going to be talking uh, with uh, Isaac Evans France, uh, who is uh, with a very interesting group. It's called the Action Corps. And I think he can talk uh, uh, and elaborate about it. But uh, he focuses on uh, Yemen. And, um, you know, everybody is paying so much attention to the Ukraine war, especially that I think it's the one year anniversary. However, Uh, there is uh, really an uh, ongoing war with a huge human toll and it's happening in Yemen. Uh, I am hoping uh, that Isaac uh, will, uh, be, I think he's already joined us and he will tell us about uh, the action corps and there was an action going on uh, a few weeks ago I think it was March uh, 1st uh, on a Wednesday and we were planning to interview uh, Isaac on March 2nd but both of us uh, got sick. Uh, Uh, good morning, uh, Isaac. Are you there? I need to figure out how to turn on his mic. 
No, he's, I am he's here. There. Oh, oh okay. Uh, hi, hi, uh, Isaac. Uh, sorry, Isaac, we uh, put this uh, interview on hold for the past two, three weeks because Ahmed and I were uh, very sick, but now I think we are back. And uh, I know that when I had initiated the conversation with you, you were planning on a day of action in about 10 cities in the U.S. Uh, could you tell us uh, how did that go? go uh, and um, what was it about? People around the United States are rallying for an end to U.S. complicity in the Saudi-led war in Yemen. And we actually saw people protesting this war in 17 cities across the United States in 10 states. Over 75 organizations across the U.S had called for these protests to demand that members of the U.S. House of Representatives introduce a Yemen war powers resolution to stop illegal U.S. participation in this conflict. And how was uh, the reaction of people like around these uh, uh, demonstrations and protests? Do people really understand that there is a war going on in Yemen? You know, it takes people like you having folks like me on your radio program. It takes people rallying and organizing to make sure that this stays on the radar of people because so many people do not know that the United States continues to supply military support for Saudi Arabia, which can at any moment be used to resume bombing Yemeni civilians. There has been, it's been over 11 months with no Saudi airstrikes on Yemen, but there has not been a formal agreement to stop future airstrikes. And Saudi Arabia continues to have this as a threat over the Yemeni people. We want no business being part of that. We and the organizations, the 75 plus organizations that have joined us in calling for action to stop U.S. participation in this war, we are saying this should not be done with U.S. complicity. Walk us through the war in Yemen. When did it start? How did it start? Why did it start? Eight years ago, on March 25th of 2015, Saudi Arabia, with explicit backing from the United States and a coalition of countries, began bombing the Houthi rebels in Yemen who had staged a coup and taken over the government in Sana'a, in Yemen, the capital of Yemen. What has happened as a result of that is one of the largest humanitarian crises on the face of the planet. At one point, the United Nations is calling it the largest. Over about two-thirds of the Yemeni population currently relies on humanitarian aid, which meanwhile is being cut by donor countries like the United States. It's home to the largest cholera outbreak in history. Cholera is a completely preventable disease, but it requires people to have clean water. The Saudi coalition with U.S. backing was dropping bombs on water treatment facility plants. And Saudi Arabia has made it difficult for important goods to get into the country that are going to save lives things like 
spare parts for water treatment facility plants. That has there have been challenges getting those into the country because of the Saudi max blockade of the country. So activists are calling for an immediate lifting of all restrictions on imports. There should be no blockade. That's punishing, collective punishment, which is a war crime against the Yemeni people. And we need to stop, uh, permanently stop uh, the bombing. And it's up to Congress to do that because Congress has an obligation, according to Article 1, Section 8 of the U.S. Constitution, to stand up and make decisions about whether the United States is involved in war. And the U.S. president never asked Congress for permission on this war, never got that authorization. And this has happened over three administrations, first the Obama administration, then the Trump administration, and now the Biden administration. So are we still supplying uh, United Arab Emirates and Saudi Arabia with arms, I mean, uh, as we speak? Because the relations have not been that uh, great between the Biden administration and Saudi Arabia in particular. So we do still give them uh, military uh, aid and weapons until this moment? Yes, there has been some shift in which kind of weapons have been given to Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates, but the Biden administration continues to have pushed for the end and provided weapons to these countries. And really critically, the United States provides military support in the form of spare parts and maintenance support for the Mm -hmm. Saudi fighter jets, which up up until... Uh, last uh, spring were dropping bombs on Yemeni on prisons in Yemen, in funerals, weddings, water treatment facility plants, hospitals, school buses, and just doing incredible damage to the civilian infrastructure and to and, and killing innocent people in Yemen. So the United States has played a critical role in enabling this humanitarian crisis from day one of the Saudi bombing, which was announced on and began on March 25th of 2015. Not, and it was not announced from Riyadh, it was announced from Washington, D.C. So we are saying, Action Corps and other organizations involved in this project are saying it's time for the, the end of this war to be announced. And um, that should happen from Washington. And Washington should cut off all its military support that enables this crisis to continue. Uh, your group also mentioned Section uh, 502B of the Foreign Assistance Act um, that prohibits armed transfers to governments responsible for gross violations of human rights. Is that also uh, something your group is considering and the other groups that maybe if we, if the other route uh, is not working, maybe uh, you can push uh, this uh, 502B of the Foreign Assistance Act? Yes, and in fact, we have been in touch with Senator Murphy's office about this. He, yesterday, he and Senator Lee, so a Democrat and a Republican, introduced a resolution in the U.S. Senate that would require a report from the administration on Saudi human rights violations, and that would be required within 30 days. Now, that's um, really important information to have. It's important to get that, and it, w- it would it could condition 
ongoing military support, um, the U.S. contractors' support on um, the the human rights record. So that's that's an important step. We that doesn't preclude them also from introducing a Yemen war powers resolution, and we're calling on members of the U.S. House of Representatives to introduce a Yemen war powers resolution before we reach the the eighth anniversary of the Yemen uh, the Saudi war on Yemen that is this coming Saturday, March 25th. So a week from Saturday is that eight-year anniversary. To mark that eight-year anniversary, we are supporting an online rally that Peace Action is, is organizing. That's on Saturday, March 25th at 12 o'clock noon. And listeners can find information about that rally at actioncore.org. That's action and then C-O-R-P-S.org. If you're just joining us, this is True Talk on WMNF 88.5. We're speaking with Isaac Evans Franz. He's um, with Action Core. Are you the executive director there? I am. Yes. And, you know, when Biden ran for office, he said he's going to do things differently when it comes to Yemen. And he said that, you know, quote, uh, something like, um, we're not going to check our values at the door to buy oil. And that, you know, promised ending support for the Saudi-led war in Yemen. Um, what has he done since coming to office? Well, one of the first things that he did was he reversed a couple of Trump decisions. One was around a couple of specific arms sales. We were very happy to see that. So he, he blocked a couple of arms sales that were in the works that the uh, Trump administration had begun. And he also lifted this designation on the Houthi rebels as a terror, a foreign terrorist organization. Make no mistake, we are no fans of the Houthi rebels. They have they have been responsible for and are, are responsible for major human rights violations. That said, we didn't we didn't we saw that designation as counterproductive, and it would ultimately hurt people in Yemen by making it much harder for people to get the aid that they needed and by further paralyzing the economy. So we were glad to see those steps taken. Um, Biden said that in his first, first foreign policy speech as president that, he, that the United States was ending uh, participation in offensive operations in Yemen. The problem is that he's never defined exactly what's offensive and what's defensive operations. And um, in my opinion, dropping bombs on prisons, on communications towers, on completely um, destroying the civilian infrastructure of a country, to me, that's an offensive operation. But if you think about the way, like the, the Department of Defense used to be in the United States, used to be called the Department of War. And then it was decided to call it the Department of Defense because that was a little bit more palatable to the American people. I see a similar thing with the U.S. role in this war. There's uh, there was more of a change in language used to use descri- used to describe the U.S. role than actual policy change on the ground. That said, I'm optimistic about what Congress can do because Congress has the power to call the question on ongoing illegal U.S. complicity in this war, and we're pleased. We're, we're excited that we, multiple members of Congress are joining the online rally. The Action Corps is supporting this March 25th. Uh, marking the eighth year anniversary of the, the war. We have Senator Elizabeth Warren 
prepared remarks. Same with Representative Ro Khanna from California, Representative Rashida Tlaib from Michigan, and Representative Omar Ilhan Omar from Minnesota, who was just removed from the House Foreign Affairs Committee. She has also confirmed her participation in this online rally on March 25th. I am excited by the fact that there's bipartisan support for ending unconstitutional U.S. participation in war. We saw that there were over 130 members of both the House and the Senate, Democrats, Republicans, Independents, who supported the Yemen War Powers Resolution as recently as December. And we are looking to build on that support in this new Congress. So, I mean, um, I feel like you didn't, you know, really, you told, um, okay, well, the question would be, when it comes to Biden, it seems like he's, in a way, just doubled down on this war, and he's continuing to go forward with it, reversing um, his promise to end the war. So, I mean, do you see that uh, as a problem? Uh, did he backpedal, and is he, you know, doubling down on something that, is continuing to cause, you know, one of the biggest humanitarian crises um, in several decades. You're absolutely right. Uh, President Biden has not delivered on his campaign promise and his promise that really at the beginning of his administration to end, end U.S. participation in the Saudi war in Yemen. He needs to do that. And he's probably not going to do that and wake up one morning and just decide that's the right thing to do. He really needs to hear from Congress. And that's why listeners in Florida, listeners in, in any state can call on their members of Congress to introduce a Yemen war powers resolution in the coming days to make sure that Congress is standing up to the administration. Because in this country, we have that long history of U.S. presidents, really for the last several decades, Democrats and Republicans alike, of waging war in the name of the United States without authorization for Congress. And that's illegal. Yeah. Uh, it's. I mean, you know, um, we're approaching here the 20-year anniversary of the Iraq War, and Summer and I will be speaking about that a little bit later. But it just seems like regardless of administration, regardless of Democrats or Republicans, America continues to go to war, and especially against uh, Muslim-majority countries. Um, you know, even President Obama um, he, he won the Nobel Peace Prize. However, um, he bombed so many uh, countries, especially in the Middle East. In fact, I think he only bombed Muslim countries. And um, it's it just seems like that's the legacy now of the United States, that they continue just to go to war, and regardless of the administration. So do you see much of a difference, other than rhetoric, between... The establishments of both parties. I mean, I, I know you mentioned that you have Democrats attending your rally, but everybody you mentioned is basically a progressive Democrat. Are there any establishment Democrats that are actually participating in the anti-war uh, movement or, you know, when it comes to Yemen? Well, Senator Chris Murphy is an established Democrat from Connecticut, and he has been a leader on this effort to end U.S. participation in the war in Yemen. He just introduced this this bill with Senator Lee, the constitutional conservative Republican from Utah, uh, for requiring reporting on Saudi human rights violations and potentially ending U.S. military 
support for Saudi Arabia in, in terms of the crisis in Yemen. So there are establishment Democrats who have been have supported this. I mean, Senator Durbin was a co-sponsor of the Yemen War Powers Resolution last year. He's the, the, the Democratic whip in the U.S. Senate, like, meaning that after Senator Schumer, he's the second highest ranking. So there has been that, that support. But what, what I see is that the, the progressive Democrats in Congress are only leading when regular, everyday Americans are stepping up and leading. Those for the, the maybe more mainstream moderate Democrats or establishment Democrats are only stepping up to the plate when the progressive Democrats are making it so they really have to take a stand. And the Republicans are really only getting engaged when those, uh, when the other voices are in the room. So I'm, I see that it's, what's really important is that everybody remembers that if you're living in the United States, you have a power and a responsibility around the behavior of our country. I mean, any member of Congress, any of the hundreds of members of Congress can call the question on U.S. participation in a war that Congress has not authorized. They, it's, it's called it's a privileged resolution, meaning they can force a vote. That doesn't have to go through the normal bureaucracy of the committee structures. So back to, back to your question, you know, are establishment Democrats backing efforts to stop U.S. participation in the war? It, it's in the Democratic Party's platform to end U.S. participation in this war. The president of the United States had this as a campaign promise. So it, we most certainly that there is there is that at least intellectually there is a support for this objective now what we need is to see the actions If you're just joining us, this is True Talk on WMNF 88.5 FM. Ahmed and I are talking with Isaac Evans' uh, friends, and he is with uh, Action Corps. I think I'm reading from their uh, website. It's a grassroots initiative to build people power in solidarity with people around the world. The organization is focused on U.S. policies in solidarity with people from Yemen uh, and uh, Burma and communities most affected by climate climate disasters and low-income countries dealing with uh, COVID-19. And we're actually talking about Yemen. And I wanted uh, to ask you, uh, Isaac, about the latest development. Uh, China brokered uh, a kind of normalization between Iran and Saudi Arabia. And when we talk uh, about uh, Yemen uh, with people from the Gulf region, they say, oh, that's th- this war is important because we are fighting Iran and the proxy uh, Houthis are in Yemen and this is, the war is really, a, it's an, a proxy war with Iran. Now that Saudi Arabia and Iran are normalizing, do you think that there might be a breakthrough, that you think there might be some sort of a resolution to the war in Yemen? Yes, I'm very hopeful about that. The question is when, and the sooner that the United States removes itself and officially, permanently ends U.S. complicity in this war, the sooner I think that's likely to happen is for people to see the difference on the ground. Uh, But you do not know of any development uh, vis-a-vis Yemen yet. It's too early, maybe, what's uh, this normalization between Iran and Saudi Arabia. 
Yeah, it was great to see the news. I think it broke last week about the um, about the deal that had been struck between Saudi Arabia and Iran. You know that they're resuming diplomatic relations, and you know they have a timeline for reopening embassies in each other's countries. And one of the things that they talked about in their statement was essentially ending. Um, I mean, the way I interpret it was that there there is real interest and openness to ending their essentially proxy war in Yemen. Okay, I want to so think. I think this could be, this can only be good for the region and only it could be good for Yemen. I know, yeah, it's a very important topic, and uh, maybe uh, next week we're going to be talking about it. I want to thank you, Isaac, very much for being in True Talk and for understanding that Ahmed and I had to postpone this interview several times. No problem at all. I really appreciate your interest and your listeners' attention to this critical issue. And I hope folks will visit actioncore.org for more information. Thank you so much, Isaac. Uh, and uh, to my co-host, Ahmed, I'm going to play a song from Yemen uh, by uh, a, a Yemeni singer. His name is Fuad Abdelwahad. And uh, he's going to be uh, singing Samra Ya Samra. Okay, it's not summer. But I'll explain what it means. This is True Talk on WMNF 88.5 FM. Listen to this lovely music by Fuad Abdelwahad.
And welcome back to True Talk. Uh, you were listening to a song by Fuad Abdel Wahid. He is from Yemen and he was saying Samara. Yes, yeah, Samara. My name is Samar, but this one is S-A-M-A-R-A. So it's um, it's playing on the name. And he was saying, yeah, your uh, cheeks are uh, like a rose, like flower. <laughs> You should see my cheeks now, Ahmed. <laughs> They're yellow from <coughs> being so sick for the past Some are, weeks. <laughs> what, you're playing a song about yourself on the No, air? I didn't mean to, but it said Samara Ya Samara. Very and, similar, uh, just a difference of a letter. Yeah, uh, only an extra A at the end. And it's a very beautiful song. Um, I wish I can translate it, but it says Samara Ya Samara Ya Wardit Al Khaddin. Uh, anyways, Ahmed, I wanted really to talk about uh, Iraq uh, because those people who listened to us uh, for the past, what, 20 years or 19 years, I can't remember exactly when we started doing this show, but we've always said uh, going into any military action in the Arab world is a very, very bad idea also into Afghanistan. And we used to, Ahmed, you and I talk about uh, how intervention uh, by people who parachute into the Arab world without understanding the culture or the religion or the ethnic uh, makeup, or maybe they did and they wanted uh, to um, dissect the country and lead it to the mess that it's in now. But I wanted to ask you, where were you when uh, uh, Bush came and said shock and awe and when you started seeing uh, the um, the the bombs and the explosions taking place uh, in Iraq. Where were you, Yahmed? Um, I think when it happened, it was nighttime. So, oh no, it was nighttime there. Nighttime there because uh, the shock right. and awe was about seeing all these explosions uh, taking place. Actually, for the second time in Iraq, because the first time was during the uh, after the invasion of uh, Iraq. Uh, sorry, after the invasion of Kuwait, and it also was uh, nighttime, and CNN was uh, covering it live because I think it had the only station uh, worldwide that had three people inside Iraq in the Baghdad uh, hotel. So. I vividly remember these two incidents and, and I remember, like you said, it was nighttime there, but it wasn't night in our uh, time difference because we have something like seven hours. So it's, Where were you? In both uh, times I was uh, in the U.S., yeah, I mean, I was also here. I, I think I, thought, I was watching we, a TV, glued to the TV, I would right. tell you. Because no. I knew it was going to be disastrous. Um, the, our show started in 2003, 20 years ago. And it was um, I right think around just, the invasion. Yeah, yeah I think uh, you so. Know, I, we we you know I think it was either right before or before the invasion because they were beating the drums to war. We spent so much time speaking um, against the war. There were millions of people protesting in the streets. I mean, uh, this is this is uh, it was very demoralizing in a way, and it and it was very telling about. American democracy and representative government. I mean, you had millions of people um, 
you know, protesting, protesting and, 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 and appealing and all over the country. All over the country, and the politicians did nothing. In Tampa, I remember in Tampa there were several demonstrations, and one of them, uh, I think I attended. And but also in my very very small town, which is full of hardcore white Republicans, uh, people came out, and we had so many honks. You know, when you stand with your sign saying "No to War," but like you said, it, it, it didn't matter, unfortunately. Yeah, the Bush administration, George W. Bush administration, Dick Cheney, they had a plan and they were following through with it. And in fact, it, you know, it became a, we became aware that that plan was actually, they were putting it in place even when Bill Clinton was still in office way before 9-11. They were just looking for a pretext. They were looking for a pretext. Uh, these neoconservatives... The neocons, it's, that's when we started really kind of hearing about them everywhere because they hijacked American foreign policy and they, um, Iraq was on their list. They just needed a, a pretext or some excuse to go after them, even though Iraq had nothing to do with 9-11. So Dam Hussein, um, as bad as he was on many things, he had nothing to do with Al-Qaeda or um, that type of terrorism. They wouldn't even dare cross to Iraq or have people there uh, to to be part right. of such a they terrorist They had no activities. No. Right? They, they, couldn't, they couldn't function there. He was so brutal. However, um, the United States or the, the Bush administration didn't care. It seems like in hindsight, they didn't, they had their mindset on Iraq. They wanted to finish a job. A lot of these neocons were actually upset with George W. with George Bush Senior that he didn't do this mm -hmm. in the first Gulf War, and they had some unfinished business to do. And uh, many of these neocons, um, as as many people, you know, as uh, as a lot of a lot of things have been written about this. In fact, one of their objectives was they thought they needed to weaken Iraq uh, for the protection of Israel. And uh, they went to war. I, I, I'm not saying that that's exclusively. A lot of people just say, oh, they were going after oil. Yes, that was one of the main reasons. But also Israel was lobbying. The Israeli lobby was pushing for this war as well. And many of these neocons um, that, um, you know, had the same objective. So it was hijacked. The people rose up against it. The Iraq had nothing to do with 9-11. And in fact, it turned attention away from going after Al-Qaeda and they just started bombing Iraq. And we said, you and I, Summer, 20 years mm -hmm. ago, and, you know, uh, we're saying that that's going to just create such havoc in the Middle East and in the region. And until this day, um, we haven't recovered from it and it's only gotten worse. I vividly remember Laura Bush getting involved and talking about women's issues and women's rights. And I was saying, my gosh, the women of Iraq, even under the brutal dictatorship of Saddam Hussein, um, do have uh, rights and they work and they are uh, like more, almost equal because Saddam Hussein wasn't religious. Uh, I mean, sometimes he would use religion for his, uh, you know, speeches and stuff like that. But he was a secular uh, Baathist and they, they, they believed actually part of their uh, strategy was to give uh, women more rights because they were always interested in countering any Islamic uh, influence because Iraq is full of ulama or religious 
people, whether on the right. Sunni side or the Shia side. So when Laura was talking about the women of Iraq, she was as if she was talking about the women of Afghanistan who literally had, uh, at least under the Taliban, no rights. So you'd think, my gosh, these people don't have anybody that they would consult with, or it was just part of this uh, propaganda. And of course, after the invasion, I didn't see Laura Bush visiting the women of Iraq or doing anything about them. And I'm not sure if you were listening to uh, Democracy Now! today, Ahmed, but I was while driving and they had this professor of uh, from Iraq. Uh, I mean, she's Iraqi, but uh, she was talking how every single right almost that Iraqi women had uh, during that uh, regime uh, of Saddam Hussein is gone and uh, we, women have to fight again for all these rights. So this is part right, of it was, propaganda, <clears throat> I think. It was so yeah, it was it was part of the propaganda, but what was also frustrating is all these um, Iraqi Americans that were here in the United States and in Europe and that were beating also the drums mm -hmm. to war and they were partnering with Bush and they wanted to settle scores with against Saddam. They want him out of power for political reasons. They were not necessarily um, their, you know, necessarily any better than him and in fact some of those same people like you know remember those figures like uh, what was his name Shalabi yeah Ahmed Al Jalabi and others that were just parading around and making the case for the war against Saddam and providing this kind of cover and we're saying absolutely not Saddam is a very bad guy he was actually, he's very, he's anti-religion. He was anti-Muslim, even though he's Muslim himself, but he had a hard line against the Muslims and religious, uh, relig religiosity in his country because he thought that that was a threat to his political dominance from both the Sunnis and the Shia. Um, but a lot was, uh, also against the Shia because he was afraid of Iran. And, you know, they had just come out of a, you know, or not just come out, but they had a long war with, uh, you know, he's had a long war with Iran before, and he was always suspicious of the Shia establishment within Iraq because of their alliance with Iran. And, but you had all these, even in Tampa, even here, you had Iraqi families that were, you know, going on television and saying, oh, we love Bush because he's saving us. Look at what Iraq, ha you know, and we said, no, that's not what's going to happen. And uh, they're just, you know, using you for cover. But they also had their own agenda. They thought that, you know, if they're in power, they're going to do things differently. And right away, once, you know, I remember after shortly after the shock and on, you know, all these promises of weapons of mass destruction, uh, alter not to be lies. You know, Powell went in front of the United Nations and made this case about um, uh, weapons of mass destruction mm -hmm. and enriched uranium and showing the yellow cake. So much theater, so much drama. It turned out to be all lies. And ever since, the United States has not recovered its credibility in the region around the world. They lied so many times about going to war. And let's not forget, and even before the shock and awe that Iraq had been under severe sanctions for so many mm -hmm. years that you couldn't even get medicine, that hundreds of thousands of Iraqis had died because of lack of medicine, lack of nutrition. And, you know, I, I, I don't remember what the count is, but it's in the millions how many Iraqis mm -hmm. actually uh, died due to the sanctions and the war. And not to mention 
the thousands of American troops that were killed unnecessarily for a war that we had no business doing and accomplished absolutely. In fact, not only did not accomplish anything, but it destroyed a country and it allowed for groups like ISIS and other extremist um, uh, violent groups to uh, fill a political and um, security vacuum that existed. And you remember one of the biggest mistakes that happened that by the Bush administration, that as soon as they took over the country, and it was really easy, I mean, mm -hmm. they didn't really have much resistance, that uh, Paul Bremer, who was the administrator assigned by uh, Bush to basically, I don't know, be the administrator of Iraq, all of a sudden some white guy is running the country. It's kind of weird uh, from thousands of miles away. He dismissed the entire police and military and sent them home and said, you have no part of the future of Iraq and um, sent them all home and they all had their weapons. Uh, what do you think somebody that's a career soldier that's been serving under Saddam Hussein for decades, and now you're telling him that he no longer has a job, he can no longer do what he's done his whole life. Um, uh, they ended up, those people ended up becoming the, you know, uh, the insurgency and the rebellion fighting against the Americans. It's true, Ahmed. Uh, one of the most uh, disturbing things that happened uh, was disbanding the army, but also um, because I used to visit um, Jordan a lot. My mom used to live there. Um, you would say that overnight uh, Jordan woke up with thousands of families that were able to flee <clears throat> and come to Jordan. Of course, those are the people who had some money and who had some education and were able to cross. But there are so many people who really uh, suffered, even even if they had uh, some money and were able to rent houses uh, in Jordan, uh, their whole lives have been uh, disrupted. And um, it also disrupted uh, so many uh, lives of Jordanians because when you have an influx like that happening overnight, everything becomes more expensive. So the ripple effect of what took place in Iraq wasn't only uh, reflective of Iraq, but also I remember very much uh, Jordan uh, people who are never able to go back uh, anymore. And um, it's interesting that you mentioned the Iraqis who helped uh, in the propaganda. I think many of them were paid, uh, Ahmed, and many of them all of a sudden became the darlings of think tanks, especially right-wing and Republican uh, think tanks. And I remember one time there was a show on an NPR uh, affiliate station in Naples and the lady had me and this Iraqi uh, woman, um, I remember her vividly, her looks, but I can't remember her name, but she was always, she was wearing hijab and she was Ill, always paraded in all TV shows. I don't know if you remember her uh, in English speaking. And of course, saying, were, were, was she from uh, no, 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 I don't think she was. But both of us, she was based at, the, at least as far as I remember from Washington. So I was really trying to be uh, very logical and uh, saying I don't think going to war in Iraq is going to be a cakewalk. I think it's not going to be uh, that easy. And uh, as long as there is no uh, UN resolution that sanctions this war, then <coughs> I think it's an illegal war. Oh, my gosh, Ahmed. She started attacking me and saying, oh, 
I know you are, because I mentioned I used to live in Jordan and I used to, I, I lived in Jordan during the invasion of Kuwait and I was so much against it. You are a pro-Saddam. You're one of these stooges. Like she's trying now oh. to <laughs> connect me to Saddam Hussein. And I said, What's, what, what, what are you doing here? You can't. No, uh, you can't if you can't argue or you can't counter my argument. Don't start uh, telling people I am a pro Saddam and I'm a Baathist. <laughs> She's oh my god. She started like to attack me and to link me to Saddam Hussein at a time where you know as a Muslim and Arab and Palestinian. Yeah, that's dangerous. <laughs> very dangerous. And I said, what are you trying to do? Why don't you just counter my argument with an argument rather than try to get the FBI to call me? <laughs> And the lady who was interviewing me, she, she like after the show was over, she says, I'm so sorry. I didn't know that she would go to that extreme. I said, yeah, of course. Why do you think the the White House is using her and our media are using her? But yeah, it just reminded me. I mean, I'm laughing now, but that, that day I said, oh my gosh, I'll never be on radio again and talk about these things. Because I didn't expect her to start to linking me to, uh, to from my work in Jordan uh, to Saddam Hussein. But uh, I don't know, Ahmed. Uh, There's an article in Business Insider that says the U.S. taxpayers, taxpayers have spent over $2 trillion God. for the Iraq um, for the Iraq war, over $2 trillion. Uh, um, there are other estimates that it was a trillion um, but overall, the whole war on terror um, is like something like $6.4 trillion. Gosh. Um, and Harvard University, there's a report that says the true cost <coughs> of the Iraq war is $3 trillion and beyond. It's just um, in Brown University, there's a report that cost of the 20-year war on terror is $8 trillion. And, you know, almost a million deaths. I think it's even more than that. It's just madness what what the Iraq war triggered um, to justify to say you know after nine eleven uh, that, that 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 that's the uh, only option that they had. That's not true. And no uh, accountability. Nobody is like telling uh, um, uh, Bush uh, Junior like no accountability. And I remember when people see him like uh, uh, giving uh, Michelle Obama some sweets and people all of a sudden they love him because he likes uh, Obama or uh, Michelle Obama. And at the same time, do you have amnesia? Do you remember what this guy did? And all the blood on his hand, whether uh, American blood or uh, Iraqi blood or other people's blood. I mean, I can't believe how people don't think of accountability. Uh, accountability for the lies, but also for the money misspent. There's in CBS News. There's an article. Um, it's actually um, two years old, but it says Americans could owe six point five trillion dollars for wars in Afghanistan and Iraq, and that's just the interest trillion, and that's just the interest. Wh why did we have to borrow all this money from China to go to war? And all these promises about the oil and Halliburton and all these companies that profited so much money from the war and the people that are in Washington and the contractors and how much, uh, you know, and I remember um, Blackwater, so much tragedy, so much just, and this is America. 
I mean, so many people, so much atrocities that took place in Iraq, the rapes, um, the abuse, Abu Ghraib prison. Remember the mm-hmm. images of yeah. the torture that came out? Just the disgusting, evil history that, you know, when I just, I'm having just trauma just thinking about it. And I wasn't even there. Just remembering all the things that, and, you know, we're so fortunate that we weren't there that we witnessed and uh, it's all happening with our tax money and that's why it's important as the um, our guest our uh, uh, yeah I, I know. Isaac was saying earlier that our that we are responsible and we should pay attention to what our country does overseas and around the world and not only that and i think it was such a risk taking for you and i and WMNF to have us on the air because i think we were the only a sound out there that kept saying this is this can't go on this war cannot go on it's going to fail and we were talking about black water and we were talking about uh, Abu Ghraib yeah. later on <laughs> and you know it was we were really, talking about some dangerous stuff yeah. and and we got a lot of heat from it and you know uh, we we're not the only voice but we we're one of few voices that were speaking loudly and thank God we had this platform. And I think that's why WMNF uh, felt the need that we need to have this voice on the air. And we got into heated uh, conversations and we got <laughs> threats, but we kept going. Yeah, but we're there were here. so many people who were listening in Ahmed because uh, remember, there wasn't uh, Twitter at the time. There weren't all these apps and there wasn't even uh, the iPhone itself wasn't there. There so, was no Facebook. <laughs> no, so the, uh, the WMNF and True Talk was the only show that was talking about these issues and we were bringing experts, we were bringing uh, Iraqis uh, to talk about it. Uh, we're running out of time, yeah, Ahmed. We have one uh, minute to go in case you want to say something. I know you sent me a message. I want to say that uh, we're actually hosting and organizing something called the Grand Iftar. Ramadan is starting soon. So on April 1st, we're having this Grand Iftar locally. If you're interested, visit irusa.org um, for that. Okay. Uh, uh, what is it? Which What's the website? Say it again. Actually, I'll, I'll, I need to get some clarification okay. before I, I say okay. it again. But WMNF Tampa, NPR News is next. And um, thank you, yeah, thank you, Ahmed, for being uh, on True Talk. And thank you, thank you, our listeners, for understanding that we were not doing well. And we played uh, um, actually one old uh, show and then I taped uh, one with uh, Dr. Uh, Sami Al-Aryan. Thank you for supporting WMNF and supporting True Talk. It's never too late uh, to keep giving WMNF. WMNF Tampa, NPR News is next.